Hello and welcome to Just a Thought Podcast, episode 29. I'm Corey Tinkham. Thanks so much for joining me. Bizarre illnesses and medical mysteries, that is today's topic. And we all trust that our physicians and doctors and surgeons, etc., are going to be able to diagnose us and treat us and cure whatever may be ailing us. But sometimes they either don't get it right or they don't get it at all. Medical mysteries and undiagnosed conditions are today's topic, and it's very, very, very strange. So sit back, relax, and try not to be a hypochondriac. Again and welcome to episode 29, Strange Illnesses and Medical Mysteries. There is no shortage of these, a lot of which I'm sure you've heard of. I, I tried to find some more obscure examples. I think maybe I've done that, but we're going to talk about a lot of these today, and they're very, very, very strange, and it's kind of unnerving because these things or conditions may still be out there, or the causes of them may still be out there, you know. Wouldn't worry too much. A lot of these are extremely, extremely rare, but interesting nonetheless. Um, but before we get started, it is that time of year again where, you know, I'm, I work out of the garage, literally. Um, and so there's going to be crickets. There's going to be some strange bug sounds happening. So again, you know, I said, I think in the first episode, I hope that that kind of adds to the ambiance and maybe, you know, helps the show out a little bit. Uh, if it doesn't, you know, I apologize Not much I can do about it, um, because they're here. There's a lot of them. (laughs) But most likely, you won't be able to hear them at all. Uh, I don't think my mic can pick them up unless they're, you know, several really loud crickets, which, which does happen. But anyway, just a little bit of a warning there before we get started. So without further ado, medical mysteries and bizarre illnesses. So where to start? Well, usually I like to go back as far back in the past as we can, and there are some really good examples of these. Now, some of these could be, if we had more evidence, could be things that we know about today in the medical world that we could identify what these illnesses are. Uh, but the documentation is is rather vague, and there just isn't any evidence. So really, it's all speculation. So a lot of these could be many, many different things that that exist today, and we know how to diagnose them and how to treat them. But some of these that go way, way back in, in our history, probably, if it were around today, we, we would be able to identify and diagnose. However, we just, don't again, don't have the evidence. Or, on the other hand, it could be some sort of unknown bacteria or unknown disease that we just haven't seen yet. And hopefully it stays at bay, so to speak. The first of these that I want to discuss is the Plague of Athens. 
And this was in 430 BC, and it lasted for, for several years. And it was a plague-like condition. So what would occur is one who was afflicted with this, this illness would get very high fevers, vomit and vomit blood. Lesions would appear on the skin. Uh, extreme, extreme fatigue. And very, very similar to plague-like symptoms. So for, for many years, this was considered to be some sort of plague-type bacteria. But the medical community and scientists over the years, that idea has kind of been pushed aside. Uh, it's fallen out of favor. They don't necessarily think it was a plague type of bacteria. So a lot of ideas have been thrown out there. There are some that believe that this was typhoid fever. There are some that believe this was Ebola. And the list of suggestions goes on, citing ailments that we know today. And again, to my point earlier that th this could be, you know, any of those. We just simply don't have the evidence. So you'll have cases like this in, in our history where whatever was written down from that era is is all it's all you have that's all you have to go on so again it's it's everything is very speculative so it could be anything it could be a mysterious illness it could be one we already know just not enough information to go on and there's a number of those but also in in our history there's some very strange strange illnesses like the next one I want to jump right into. It's super, super bizarre. And that is the illness known as the sweating sickness, or also sometimes referred to as the English sweat, because this epidemic occurred only in England until the very end when it did slip outside of England and then has ceased to be seen since. It happened the first time in 1485 and then in 1508, Again in 1517, 1528, and finally in 1551 in England. So five cases or five different occasions that this epidemic was seen. Now in 1528 through 1529, it did spread out onto the European continent. It appeared in Hamburg, Scandinavia, Lithuania, Poland, and Russia. And that's when the brakes were kind of put on this illness. It didn't spread farther than that, and it has not been seen since. This is a really, really strange one, and particularly brutal. It seems to be very, a very miserable ailment to have. So what happens to one who is afflicted with the sweating sickness? Well, it is not pleasant. So the disease or ailment starts out with extreme rigors, followed by extremely extremely painful headaches. These were de very debilitating to the people that, that would get them, almost like a very severe migraine from what it sounds like. And then it would be followed with extreme bouts of giddiness. Very, very giddy uh, spells would take over the, the person afflicted with this disease. And I think that's very strange. What a strange symptom to, to have with any ailment, so very strange. And then severe prostration or having to, to lay prone in, in a prostate position because it sounds, the way it was described in my, the items I read, that it was a, a very painful sensation in the gut 
It would make someone wrench over, wretch over rather. And this all happened fairly quickly, fairly quickly because after one to three hours of this, a very profuse, and some even described it as violent, bouts of sweating. And of course, this is how it gets its name, obviously. The, the person afflicted with this would just sweat and sweat and sweat, and the headache would become far more intense to the point where it caused severe delirium and rapid pulse rate, and death might occur, it was said, 3 to 18 hours after the first onset of symptoms. So a very, very quick, painful death. Now, when I say quick, I mean compared to other diseases. From the time of the onset of symptoms, you might make it maybe 18 hours. Maybe. And the whole time it was misery. But it is said that if a patient made it 24 hours, they were likely recovered and would live. So you're looking at a kind of a 24-hour bug, essentially, that's extremely deadly. But you, you know if you can make it 24 hours, you most likely will survive. However, there, there didn't seem to be any sort of antibodies or anything like that because people would get this over and over again several times. And so uh, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Another interesting thing to note about this particular sickness, it would only last a, a few weeks in any locality where there was an outbreak. It was as if this was some sort of living organism, bacteria that just came into a certain area, would infect people or afflict people with the sickness and then just die off or move on because they would, it, would, it would show up and then just be gone within weeks and everything, you know, would return to, to normal. Very strange, but it gets even a little more weird. The disease was more prevalent and severe among the rich than it was the poor. I find this interesting because it could point in so many, so many different directions. Was this a foodborne illness that was found only in foods that certain people could afford to acquire? So that you could really go places with, with that. I think this is a valuable clue. Um, I find it interesting. Another oddity is that the, the young and healthy members of these communities were more likely to get this disease and it would be more severe. Now, that could be because they're out and about and they're more physically active and the odds of them coming in contact with whatever this is are greater than those of someone who is maybe uh, can't get outside or is a little older and isn't as active. But it's still an interesting clue as well, and I think it's worth noting. So, so strange. Another... A compelling theory is that this is spread by insects because these these epidemics or outbreaks would occur in late spring through the summer. So that's a very good possibility. Uh, you know, there's very various tick-borne illnesses and mosquito-borne illnesses, etc. That could certainly be what we're looking at here. But again, there's just we there's no way to tell. There's no evidence really to go on except uh, you know recorded history.
There are some scholars that think this is what is called a hantavirus, which is a virus that causes acute respiratory illnesses in humans, and it comes from rodents, particularly rats that have this infection. And it's, humans can get it if they come in contact with a population of rats that have it. It's kind of rare. You can get it if you inhale dust that has dried excrement in the, in the dust and you inhale it, the, the infection takes over and the symptoms are similar, but it doesn't, it doesn't all the way match up. And it's not a, a wildly popular idea or theory, but it is possible. So there's a lot of ideas floating around out there about the, the sweating sickness. So this was a really, really interesting one. I will link to some information in the, in the episode notes. How very strange. But that's not the only one. There was a plague in 1518 in Strasbourg, which then was part of the Holy Roman Empire. And this was a different kind of plague. This is known as the Dancing Plague of 1518. And that's exactly what it was. Very, very weird kind of uh, illness to have. Now, this started out when a woman... Uh, who is known, so far as we know, as Frau Trophy, stepped out into the street and just began to kind of shake a little bit, almost seizing, and then twirl and twist, and then just started dancing. Literally just dancing. And she continued for a week. By then, about 40 other people had joined her. And it wasn't as if they were, it wasn't like a party of, mer- of merriment and they were celebrating anything. They could not control themselves. Oddly, bands were brought in to play music for them. A lot of the physicians at the time thought that they were just feverish and they were trying to ward off the fever through gyration. So very, obviously, a lack of understanding of what was happening, even though we still don't understand it today, it got worse. This went on and on, and up to 400 people were afflicted with this. And as you can imagine, over time, you know, another week passes, people are becoming fatigued. People are starting to, to have strokes and heart attacks. This is starting to claim lives now. So it became a, a significant problem, and they finally gathered all the dancers and took them to a hilltop to pray for them and... Soon, the episodes ended. But this is actually a very well-documented incident from the 16th century, and it sounds like craziness. But so far as we can tell, this really happened. And it's very, very bizarre, obviously. It didn't end until September, and it claimed 400 lives. And that is, to me, just wild and wildly strange. Now, there were other incidences recorded that weren't near as deadly or uh, quite as large. Uh, Switzerland, Germany, and Holland all have uh, records of very similar outbreaks with these bouts of dancing. So at the time, there were many theories. A lot of people believed that it was due to curses uh, or that there was some sort of uh, witchery or cult involved because they couldn't explain it, so they, you know, you go to what you know, and 
that didn't seem to be it. There is a pretty interesting theory about a different kinds of molds or fungus being ingested that would cause hallucination and hysteria. So this could have been in the food supply. This could have been in the water. You know, the, the possibilities are endless. But again, there's no physical evidence to this day, so there's no real way to tell. But it is fascinating and extremely weird. But make no mistake, these kinds of uh, ailments are not confined to our past. Let's skip ahead to, I don't know, March 2021. This is currently going on in Canada. And in March, doctors and scientists started to really look into this. Over the past five years, there have been a, a cluster of people that have started displaying dementia-like brain disorders. It is said that dozens of people in New Brunswick started displaying these very strange symptoms that include memory loss, various behavioral changes and hallucinations, and they can't link these people together except for the ailment itself. Very strange and very scary. They do think they found the first case that was at least reported was as far back as 2015, but currently there are 43 cases that have been identified, and six of them are, have been this year in 2021, and it's across all age groups. And so far, five people have perished to this, and they have no idea what it is. Very, again, a little, little scary and, and obviously very strange. Some other symptoms include the wasting away of muscles, pain, general pain, and spasms. And a lot of these symptoms that the patients display are, are very, very similar to other diseases and other conditions. However, when they are tested for these other diseases and conditions, zero evidence is found of any of them. So they're, they're scrambling to pin this one down. They cannot determine a cause or an origin or anything. And it's a little scary. And I'm just now realizing that in today's climate, it might not have been the best time to, to do this episode. So I apologize. I'm not trying to stoke fear into anyone. Again, these cases are very rare. This isn't something to worry about. And so I apologize. Again, not trying to make anybody nervous. I just find it fascinating that there's still undiscovered ailments out there that, that we need to maybe look into. And this is one of those. So hopefully they can pin this one down and figure it out because it uh, seems like it needs to be tackled pretty rapidly. So on to the next one. This one is, is again, very bizarre. It's referred to as the stiff person syndrome. And what, what the stiff person syndrome is, it's when your muscles in your body or a muscle will contract or seize up and become very, very stiff. And we've all had stiff muscles. We've all had cramps and aches and pains and things like that. However, this is extreme. A person with stiff person syndrome will experience a very extreme stiffening of, of a muscle, a very, a really strong uh, rigidity. And oftentimes there are these very painful spasms in their muscles and Occasionally, these spasms are so strong that it will fracture the bone to which it is attached. Now, that is insane. 
So scientists don't really know what's happening here, but they think they are close. They believe that this is probably an autoimmune disorder of some kind. They think it's probably hereditary, but they believe what's happening is, is that the body's immune system is attacking maybe the spinal cord or parts of the brain or the brain itself that's causing the muscles to behave this way, but they can't, they can't pin it down. There's a lot of possibilities, but they feel like they're very close to figuring this one out. For example, most people that, that have stiff person syndrome have been tested for antibodies that make a protein that in some neurons are involved in making a substance that's responsible for controlling muscle movement. So they, they think, again, this is an autoimmune thing happening, and it's really pointing in that direction. And it's a very interesting thing that occurs when these abnormal autoimmune responses are happening. I think it could probably explain a lot of misunderstood illnesses and diseases. So this is an interesting one to, to keep an eye on, for sure. Another interesting thing about stiff person syndrome is some of the individuals with this condition have tested for antibodies to something called amphiphysin, which is a protein involved in the transmission of signals from one neuron to another. Now, what's really fascinating about this is the folks that have these antibodies have a higher risk of developing lung, breast, and colon cancer. So there's a link to, to those cancers with this as well. So it's kind of intertwined in a way, and I just, it's fascinating. Very, very interesting. Now this next one is equally bizarre as the rest. Very strange. You may have heard of this one. It, was, it, it got some media coverage uh, because it, it's very strange and, and a little sad. All of these are pretty, pretty sad. But this is the case of Brooke Greenberg. Now, she was born in 1993 via cesarean section about a month before her due date. And this was because when her mother was pregnant with her, there were these intermediate growth periods that were a little abnormal. So they wanted to go ahead and deliver Brooke for precautionary measures. And when she was born and delivered, everything was seemingly normal. She seemed like a perfectly healthy and normal baby. But as the years passed, things became a little odd. They noticed that she, after about age four, she just stopped growing. She wouldn't speak. And so they, the parents knew that, that something wasn't quite right. And she also, in the first six years of her life, had a lot of bouts with some strange medical issues. There were, there were several she suffered seven perforated stomach ulcers and recovered from all of them. She suffered a seizure from which she recovered. She suffered a stroke from which weeks later they found zero damage from. Kind of interesting. At age five, there was a mass discovered on Brooke's brain. It caused her to sleep for 14 days and the doctor's diagnosed this mass as a brain tumor. Uh, and this wasn't a coma. This was just a very deep sleep for 14 days. Finally, day 15, she wakes up, and the mass is gone. Kind of, kind of odd. Over the years, her family visited many, many physicians, approached many, and spoke with many diagnostic teams, and it 
no one could diagnose or explain Brooke's condition. She lived her life in a stroller. She never grew. She passed away, unfortunately, in 2013 at the age of 20. And only her hair and fingernails would grow. The rest of her, if you look up photos, she it looks like a toddler. So she never spoke. They say she cognitively was a two-year-old, but do we really know that? So it's a fascinating condition. It's referred to as Syndrome X, and there's about a dozen cases of these known currently to scientists, and of course it's being heavily studied because we don't know much about it. And finally, to conclude, I have one more. And this one is called the Havana Syndrome. In 2016 and 17, at a U.S. embassy in Cuba, U.S. diplomats started feeling a little strange. They were experiencing memory loss, tinnitus, which which is ringing in the ears, balance issues. They weren't able to properly balance and they were experiencing what they referred to as a cognitive fog. They were also hearing strange noises around them. And this wasn't for a day or two. This was ongoing. And some of their family members experienced the same things, which is a little strange and scary. Canada also cut its embassy staff in Cuba by at least 14 people who were experiencing the same thing. Now, the United States government did a report, did a little investigation into this, and they concluded, they concluded that the cause of this was, get ready for it, directed microwave radiation straight out of a sci-fi book. And it's possible that they are not too far off the mark with this one. So a little more than 50 years ago, Russia was doing studies on this. They were carrying out experiments with this very, very phenomenon. And so that was 50-plus years ago. Where would the technology be now? And who else has it? I'm sure we do. I'm sure the United States has very similar weapons like this that are used for you know psychological warfare, if you will, all this kind of crazy crazy ideas out there, but this actually happened. This was a real thing, and it affected diplomats from the U.S., diplomats from Canada. In fact, in 2018, the United States removed several government officials from China. They were working in a city called Guangzhou, and they reported the same kind of symptoms. And in fact, one one U.S. official was diagnosed with mild brain trauma. So actual brain trauma from whatever this is. And whatever is going on here is something that we need to pay attention to because this is next level, again, sci-fi kind of uh, warfare happening. It's It's a little scary, as all of these are. But fascinating nonetheless, for sure. This one was a lot of fun, as they all are, but this one was a little scary. You know, it's a little scary to look at uh, article after article of different conditions and diseases and afflictions that no one has any answer for. Um, However, that said, it's very interesting, and believe me, scientists are on top of a lot of these. They are rapidly 
uh, trying to find some answers. Uh, and so fingers crossed to all of them. And that's all I have for this one. Again, I apologize if you feel as if my timing for this particular topic is a little insensitive or, uh, you know, just bad timing in general. I don't mean to invoke some sort of fear in anyone. These are all very, very rare conditions uh, that are just very interesting, and I thought that they were fascinating, and, you know, I wanted to talk about them. And there's plenty of them. If you're interested, you know, uh, just get online. There's There's a lot of them, and... Yeah, your guess is as good as mine, because I certainly don't have the answers. So, hey, thanks for joining me. Tune in next week. I've been debating on doing this one, but I'm going to jump in and do it anyway. I'm going to talk about glitches in the matrix. Now, maybe you've heard that term. We all have. I'm sure you have. Glitches in the matrix. What's actually going on with all of these little things? A lot of them, I believe it's nothing. Some of them... I believe it's 100% something. And there's a, a large gamut to cross here because there, some people feel like the glitches in the matrix involve little, small, quirky things to much larger, more obvious things. And we will talk about all of that because I believe they're all significant. Some of, them I, some of these examples I will be giving I don't believe are glitches actually at all. But we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about why people think they are. Very, very, very fascinating topic. So come on back to talk about glitches in the matrix. Let me know what you think. Podcastjat at gmail.com. Thanks again for joining me. I really appreciate it. And as always, be well.